0: Thank you for joining with us for worship today. Your song, your smile, your presence is a primary way that I know that Christ is risen and that Christ is here. And I'm so grateful for the light of Christ that we know as you. If there's any way that we could follow up with you, I invite you to use those cards. Uh, as they're made available, however is best appropriate. We particularly are just so honored to join with you in prayer and invite you to place those in the offering basket or in the offering box on your way out. I can assure you that today I will not fumble crying through the whole sermon like last week. Can a brother get an amen? And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Thank you. Albert Einstein was traveling from Princeton by train. He made his way to his seat in the cable car, and there, after some time and some miles, the conductor's assistants made his way through the train, uh, punching tickets, checking tickets. Made his way to Albert Einstein, uh, sitting near the front, and... um, Einstein had, uh, uh, he could not locate his ticket. And the conductor said to him, "Um, Dear sir, I know who you are. Everyone in this cable car knows who you are. You're the most important, most famous scientist in human history. And we're glad that you're on this train today. I think it'll be just fine if, uh, if you don't show me your ticket. The conductor's assistants continued making his way down the train and Einstein continued to look uh, for his ticket. The conductor's assistant made his way to the back and turned around and, and headed back up front, only to see there at the front of the train, now Albert Einstein is on all fours, hands and knees, searching under his chair. The assistant made his way and said, Dr. Einstein, again, I, I know who you are. We, we all know who you are. It, it, it's okay. And, and Einstein, on all fours, looks up at the young man and says, I know who I am too. But I don't know where I'm going, so I must find my ticket. <laughs> Which begs, I think, an important and spiritual question for us all: where are we going? Where are you going as an individual? Where are we going as a congregation? Where are we going as a world, as a society? And I do think our culture, and it's a topic I'd like to return to in just a little bit, our our culture does produce some shame and guilt for those who don't know where exactly they're going. And if you don't know where you're going this morning, if that has not been made clear to you, well, then you are in the very same company as Albert Einstein. Good on you. There was a ship coasting through the dark of night, and there ahead saw a great light indicating another object that must be avoided. And and so the ship captain uh, sent down uh, uh, to an assistant and said, "Uh, send a message to to that light, to that object saying, adjust your course 10 degrees to the south. And so the assistant did. And immediately, do you see how I didn't hit the table and the whole thing didn't fall this week? (sighs) And so immediately... Uh, The ship received a, a message saying, No, you change your course and adjust 10 degrees to the north. Captain did not like that. Sent down to the assistant and said, Send again a message to that light, to that object, saying, I am a captain. Adjust your course 10 degrees to the south. And immediately again, a message was received. Well, I'm a third-class petty officer. You adjust your course 10 degrees to the north. And final, a third and final time, the captain sent a message. We are a battleship. Adjust your course 10 degrees to the north. And immediately, a response was received. I am a lighthouse. <laughs> Adjust your course. Where are we going? Where are you going? And what are the lighthouses guiding our paths in our direction? Years ago, I read of a story by spiritual influence. Oh, I just totally forgot. I, I made a note to begin my sermon this way. <laughs> he's, he's having a good time. Years ago, I read a story about individuals who are a strong spiritual influence on me. I thought, I'm going I'm to preach that sermon. I'm going to preach that story. It was a story about scuba divers and when they go down deep, either in the dark of the night or in the dark of the depths of water, it can be a disorienting, experiencing, not knowing where, which way is left and right and up and north and south. And, and so these spiritual teachers found this story by scuba divers saying, if you ever get in that position, what one does is simply feel for the bubbles. I mean, feel for the bubbles and the bubbles rising and, and, and you will know which way is up, which way to go. And, 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 maybe, and maybe, that's a, maybe that's a helpful story for you in the depths and in the dark. Maybe you feel for the bubbles and you will know which way to go and which way is up. And maybe you, like me, are now or have at some point or are near to someone who has been in the depths, who has been in the darkness and can't feel the bubbles. Years ago, when I read this story, I took this story to a member of our church, a young man named Nathan Harvey, who's an experienced scuba diver, and I asked him to, to fact check this story before I preached it. And he said, yeah, I mean, kind of. It's a good story. He said, however, when you get into cold water, you're wearing neoprene gloves, it can be hard to feel the bubbles and I said, now you got a sermon, Nathan. <laughs> yeah. And so he said, uh, although he doesn't go quite down deep enough to where there is no light, he said he enjoys this experience that I've, that, we've, that we've heard about uh, such that he and, and others will go scuba diving at night just to be in, in the pitch black, dark. Uh, I guess animals and others um, underwater uh, behave differently at night. And so he said... That he takes with him a glow stick. You know, you just break it and it it shines a light. And then you can see and then you can feel that gentle edge of a bubble. Know which way is up. Is that in the event a a, a glow stick malfunctions, I I carry an underwater pretty advanced light on my back as well. And that's exactly what I, I would like to consider with you today. What are the what are the glow sticks? What are the structures that we might put in the place of our lives and in place of our communities such that we might be able to feel which way the bubbles are going? And and so I appreciate your voice, Dana, this morning, reading scripture so wonderfully and beautifully. And you're exactly right. The story here in Genesis is a story that is written and given to the people to say uh, what I believe is to say really one theological statement, and that is God is faithful. That is what the story is for. God is faithful. Uh, a this sub-point, God, God is powerful. God is active. God cares for the needs of people. But maybe you, like me, I struggle with this story of Isaac, servant, testing God, saying, just just let the one, just let the, the clear path be known. God, in all grace and glory, delivered the Israelites out of bondage and slavery in Egypt, uh, parting the Reed Sea. The people knew which way to go. Arriving there in the desert, the Lord provided in all power and glory, the Lord provided for the people a pillar of fire at night to follow, a cloud by day to follow. And maybe you, like me, have wondered... Where is the pillar of fire to follow? Where is the cloud to follow? And so it can be hard. It is hard for me to, to identify with Gideon, who throws the fleece out and tests God and knows what the right answer is. It's hard for me to identify with this, this demanding of a sign. I have demanded from the Lord a sign. I either was too dumb to understand it, which is very plausible, not wise enough to see it, or maybe the sign wasn't there in some way that I was hoping or expecting. And we see this, this is a tension in our text. It's not just me dialoguing with the text. Last week, I encouraged you to read Ruth. At some point in the month of July, I encourage you to read uh, Ruth. Now, I do not encourage you to read Judges chapter 11. Now, when a religion says to a group of people not to do something, you know what happens, right? For a thousand years. And Judges 11 provides a strong contrast. and there's a lot going on in Judges 11. It's very dark, but this story of Jephthah and his daughter is a cautionary tale to not make deals and not demand signs from the Lord. And so, I I think for me, maybe one of the most important spiritual words for us is the word discernment. How do we know which way to go? When we've asked for a sign and it's not there, how do we know which way to go? And I would just like to suggest two structures, two formats that might help us discern, help us discern as individuals, help us to discern as a congregation, help us possibly to discern as a world, where maybe, uh, where maybe we might be led to go. And the first, the first structure, the first glow light, the first light that I think helps show the way is contemplative spirituality. As I read and encounter Jesus of Nazareth in our Gospels, the Christ is continually disciplined to get away, to get alone, to get still, and to get quiet. Jesus is a mystic and Jesus is disciplined. And, and I believe when, and nearly every week, one of the great challenges of post-enlightenment, modern and post-modern Christianity is to turn this analytical brain off at some point. And this is what contemplative spirituality does. We're turning the analytical off in order to just receive, to receive the spirit, to receive grace, to receive love. The waters are raging. The disciples in the boat. The Gospel of Mark says, Peter's head is asleep on a cushion. And he's awakened and they're terrified. And Jesus rises in the boat and says to the storm, Peace. Be still. We live in a loud, busy world And the Spirit is present. And I think getting quiet, getting alone, getting in nature, as Jesus did time and again, is possibly one of the most important structures, important disciplines that we can cultivate in our lives and in our community in order to discern which way is this whole thing going. Now, listen, I'll be honest with you. Six years ago, It was easier to get quiet and get alone. (laughs) I underestimated the terror of children. It may be something else. It may be a job. It may be a parent you're taking care of. It may be some other demand on your life. These demands, they never go away, do they? It requires discipline. It really does. To get alone, to get still, to get quiet this is my experience. I have experienced in in meditation or mindfulness, contemplative prayer, whatever you want to put to it. I I have not experienced. I have not experienced. Now I know what to do. (laughs) And and maybe you have. I have not experienced. Now I know which way to go. (laughs) Coming out of contemplative prayer, out of meditation, mindfulness, out of stillness, what I have experienced is less of a need to know all the specifics. Coming out of contemplative prayer, I haven't I haven't experienced trust that God is trustworthy. Yeah. The second. A a, a second structure I think is helpful for us to consider with respect to discernment is a a mathematical, uh, sociological concept of group theory that I think is very present, particularly in the life of Jesus. We see it in other uh, aspects of, uh, of our sacred scriptures. It's also very present in our lives. And as you may well know, I believe deeply in the numbers of the Bible. The numbers are a gift to us. Not the book of Numbers. Nobody believes in that. But numbers in the Bible, are, 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 they're metaphorical. Uh, they, uh, they're not to be taken as, as, uh, as our post-enlightenment. Uh, they're, they, uh, they're symbolic for the most part. And so the numbers that are very important, I think, in, in this sociological theory, as well as in our Gospels, are the number 5,000. The number 100, the number 12, the number 3, and the number 1. Anyone play the Powerball? I do not. The number of 5,000... it it, it represents the crowd. It it represents the masses. Uh, This, and we see this number in the ministry of Jesus. We also know uh, it's not 5,000. It says 5,000 men were present at these incredible feedings. 5,000 men were present at at the teaching, at at, at the Sermon on the Mount. And so we know that even 5,000 represents a whole lot more. The, the, The number is representing this crowd. Something electric happens at at the macro level. Uh, Many of us experience this uh, at at Texas Tech sporting events. Can a brother get an amen, right? There is something that can only be experienced at this sort of uh, macro level. Now, discernment at at this uh, large level is at its most generic uh, place. In in spiritual terms, uh, at, at the macro level Um, this is when we realize we're a part of something bigger, right? And this is why it's important as a congregation to be connected to the bigger, capital C, Catholic church, the big church. We're a part of that, what God is doing. Uh, uh, Next is this uh, number 100. And these are the people who really, uh, a lot of them women, uh, particularly in the Gospel of Luke, these are the people who, who make the ministry of Jesus happen, Okay? And if this is the worship setting. Hot take this morning. I believe in the coming together to worship the Lord as a community. There are things that can only happen in this space. Ways that the spirit gets a hold of us, the ways that the spirit gets a hold of our community. This number hundred in the gospels, it's representative, right? Anywhere you know, north the fifty, all the way up to about five hundred. In sociological terms, it's about how many names you can know, you really know, right? This this is an aspect of our church that I think we do very well. Uh, Next is twelve, as you well know. In that number representing sort of the deep history of the, the, the Hebrew Israelite uh, um, uh, story. And, and there are more than just 12 of Jesus' close disciples. And these are the people who, who know you and know your story. And as we go in these smaller numbers, uh, discernment gets more and more specific. Another hot take I still believe in Sunday school. I still I, I believe in small... There are things that can only happen. Discernment that can only happen in this, in this group of 12. When people know you and, and know your story. And this has been my experience. Um, my advice is very cheap. <laughs> your advice is very cheap too. <laughs> I experience a discernment when... You tell your story. And that's when the Holy Spirit sort of gets a hold of me. When I see this thing woven into how you've shared your story. For the most part, a, a word of advice doesn't go very far. But when I hear about how you've lived your life, The number three, of course, is those closest of relationships where you can be naked and you can show all those warts. You be honest about who you are. In Jesus' world, maybe this is Peter, James, and John. I think it's helpful to realize there are other traditions where it's not Peter, James, and John. Rather, it's Lazarus, Mary and Martha, the three from Bethany. And and uh, you in this model of discernment, not only are you the one discerning, you're also the one helping others discern. And I think it's helpful for me to see that there's two different groups of three, even for Jesus. So you may be in that group of three for someone else in a season. And you might not in another season. So your group of three might be these three in this season, in this stage, and another three in this season, in this stage. And the same can be said for one. Uh, Many traditions suggest that the one for Jesus is John, the son of of Zebedee. Uh, I think uh, there's another tradition, certainly in the Gospel of John, that the one is actually Lazarus. Again, that You may be the one for this person in this season. That person may be the one for you in in this season. But it is the Holy Spirit through these people, through these different stages, and through contemplative prayer, that I think we can feel the bubbles. And if you would, close with me this way. Would you put your hands out like this? And if you take a deep breath, inhale and exhale and let your fingers feel that air. Feel those bubbles leading. Good and gracious God, hear these words, our prayer. Amen.